God is good, amen? Praise God. Well, it's awesome to see, you know, more people here. Obviously, we have a lot of people online as well, and we want to continue to encourage you guys to come here because we want to worship you guys with you guys in person. It is great to see people we haven't seen in a while, and Merry Christmas a few days early. Uh, Christmas fell, I think it's six days earlier, um, or six days after the Sunday that we're celebrating, but, um, you know, it's all about God about Jesus and his birth. Let me open us up in prayer. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And Lord, we pray that, um, Holy Spirit, you would just uh, dwell in us in such a powerful way this season, Lord, that we are celebrating you, Jesus. I pray today that you would guide me, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to me and through me, Lord, as we continue to look at the wisdom, Lord, that we can get from these magi, these wise men that didn't really understand exactly everything about you, but they knew that you were significant, that you were special, Lord, and help us to embody that in our lives, just how special and incredible you are. And I pray this in your name. Amen. So every, it sounded a little bit kind of, um, a little, yeah, a little bit weird, David. We can maybe, I don't know, adjust the sound a little bit. It's a little bit of an echo or something going on. Um, but, you know, over the last three weeks, so this will be the third week, we have been talking about the wisdom of the wise men, the magi, these gentlemen. We don't know how many there were, but we know that they were seeking Jesus. They were seeking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were learning about him. They were talking with others about him as well. And last week, we learned that the reason they were doing all of this is they wanted to worship him. And they were so overjoyed at the opportunity to do that. And when they were in Jesus' presence, they bowed down, they fell to their knees, and they worshiped him. That's what scripture tells us. And the story about them appears only in Matthew's gospel, and this is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. So I'm going to read this um, again this week so we know the entirety of this story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So again, 
The wise men, they sought Jesus. They were seeking after him. They wanted to worship him. And now we see that it didn't end there. They went a step further. They gave Jesus gifts. But they didn't just give ordinary gifts or just special kind of gifts. They gave extraordinary gifts, gifts that were truly fit for a king. And so I want to start today by discussing these gifts that the wise men gave Jesus. The first one is gold, and I'm going to just kind of give you some facts that I read about these three um, gifts that were presented to Jesus. Gold, it says, like no other metal, has a fascinating history and a special place in the world. For thousands of years, it has been used as an ornament of kings, a currency, and a standard for global currencies. In competitions as a symbol of victory, gold is easy to work with, does not corrode, and it is rather scarce. Throughout history, people have given and taken lives in the search for gold. Even now, we know that there is a gold standard. Gold is worth a lot today. So you can see that this was an important and very extraordinary gift that was presented. The second one we re uh, read about is frankincense. And this is a resin made from the Boswelli uh, tree. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And it's burned as a type of incense. One historian said the sap made the Arabians the richest people on earth by Jesus' time because it was more valuable than gold. So they're one-upping it with the frankincense. Frankincense played a large part in creating the trade routes linking southern Arabia to India, the Mediterranean, and the Silk Road in China. During the Roman Empire, shipment of Yemeni frankincense cost five times what a farmer or artisan made in a year in the eastern Mediterranean. So this is significant. It cost a lot of money. It was worth more than gold. And then the third one, myrrh, it's also made from a tree resin and it's mixed into drinks as a flavoring agent or made into a perfume. The resin was so highly prized in the ancient world, or it was highly prized in the ancient world, the ancient Near East considered myrrh one of the three sacred aromatics, spikenard and frankincense being the other two. And it was the foremost in its use as a divine incense. Myrrh's value was often more, again, than its weight in gold. So we're talking about three items that are so significant, that were so sought after, that were so rare. And this is what the wise men presented to Jesus. They gave Jesus the absolute best possible gifts they could. Ones that were recognized around the world, around the globe, as being incredibly significant. So this begs the question, what are you giving Jesus this Christmas? You know, it's interesting that we all talk about, we did it earlier, that we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. But we have to ask ourselves, what is it exactly that we are giving Jesus? Christmas has become so much about what we give to friends and family, giving gifts and receiving them, maybe co-workers, fellow students, so many people, but do we really think about this being Jesus's birthday? I think a good way to kind of shift our attention or our minds back on who Christmas is truly about and to help us answer that question of what we are going to give Jesus this Christmas, I think a good way to do that is by thinking about 
Jesus' Christmas list. Christmas list. I think, you know, as we grow up and even now as adults, you know, many of you, people probably ask you, what do you want for Christmas? And you may list a few things that you want. But what if Jesus did that? What would Jesus put on a Christmas gift list or on a birthday list if someone said, what do you want for your birthday this year, Jesus? And so I started thinking about that, started looking through the Bible. What is it that Jesus wants? What would these wishes be that he has if we asked him, what do you want? What can we get you this Christmas? Well, one, Jesus wants everyone to believe in him. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Jesus wants all people to know him, to trust him as their Lord and Savior. This means trusting him with our minds, the way we think, the way we process things, but it's also trusting Jesus with our hearts, the way our emotions are. We need both of those things. True salvation comes through believing Jesus and the truth about him both in our heads and our hearts. It's both of those things. That would be the first thing, or one of the top things that Jesus would want for Christmas. Another gift he would want from us is for us to be transformed. Romans 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This means changing to be transformed. It's changing. It's changing the way that we think and the way that we act and being sure that our actions and our thoughts, that they are conformed to God and His nature and His character. That's the second thing Jesus would have on this gift wish list, is that He would want us to be transformed into His likeness. Another wish that, we'd ha- that He would have or another gift that I would assume he would have on this list if we asked him would be for us to spend time with him. Jesus would say, yeah, that's what I want for Christmas, for you guys to spend some time with me. James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How incredible that when we draw close to God, when we draw close to Jesus, that he will do the same for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18, or 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to focus on the pray without ceasing. We talk about that a lot. And we mention that praying, it's communicating with God. So Jesus, he wants us to communicate with him. We have a relationship with him. It doesn't matter if you're getting up out of bed and you start your day praying, talking with him, or if you're in the shower or driving to work. Are you thinking about him? Are you wanting to talk to him? I've mentioned that example that in the relationships that we have with those closest with us, our spouses, our best friends, we think about them or we talk about them or talk with them if they're with us all the time. It wouldn't go so well if we didn't talk to our closest friends and our spouses. You know, if we didn't do that 
every day. If we waited weeks to do that, you know, if we did it once a week, that would be a really strained relationship. Well, we have a relationship with Jesus. He wants us to spend time with him. First Chronicles 16, verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. When you look at the Hebrew, when it talks about seeking someone's face or the face of God, it means being in his presence. So we need to be in God's presence continually. We know that God is everywhere. He's around us all the time. But do we try to be in his presence? Do we desire to be around him? You know, in our men's ministry, someone had brought up the desire to have that similar feeling like the first time you're dating someone and you have that butterfly feeling. You so crave to be around them. You're like, I can't wait till they call me or text me. And they said, that's what they want with God. They want those butterfly feelings again. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to desire to be in his presence, to have that feeling of being around him. To say that, man, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about you, Jesus. When I'm at home, I'm thinking about you, Jesus. I can't wait to get to worship you. That's what Jesus would ask for for Christmas. He wants us to spend time with him. Jesus also wants our love. Because if we're spending time with him and we don't love him, it really wouldn't make a lot of sense. And so Jesus wants our love. And there's a couple of ways that Scripture tells us of how we express that love. The first one is through our obedience to him. 1 John 5, verses 2 through 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God. In other words, this is how we show that we love other Christians. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I love that God tells us that in his word, that obedience to God isn't about all these rules that are hard to follow, these rights and wrongs that like ruin our life and make it not fun. No, that's not what it's about. As this passage continues, it says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, it's a lot easier to be obedient to God's word when we love him. Our hearts start to change and we don't look at these, you know, the Bible as a bunch of do's and don'ts. We look at it as things that are better for us, that will help us. And the more we grow in our maturity and love for God, the easier it is to be obedient. So if you've ever wondered like, man, these, it's really hard to be a Christian. And it is, it's not easy. The more you love God, the closer you get to him, the easier obedience becomes because it just becomes a part of who you are, an expression of your love for God. The other way that we can express our love is through loving others. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So another way that we express our love for God is by loving others. So that's another thing Jesus would have on his gift wish list. And the final one I have here is that Jesus wants us to make disciples. 
Because we just talked about how he wants us to love others, but he wants us to share about him to others because that really is the loving thing to do. It's hard to love someone but not share the truth of the gospel to them. I would question if you really love them then. So here, Matthew 28, 19-20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's known as the Great Commission. It's what we're called to do as believers. But I love this. When we entered the PCJC, we were kind of given this test and we were asked what the Great Commission was. And I had forgot. I didn't really you know, pay attention to this. But verse 20 is so essential as well. We don't just make disciples. We don't just share the gospel message. Here's the other part of it. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we don't just share about the gospel message. We share what it means to be obedient to God. Because we know that obedience is one of the ways we love God. It's all kind of connected, which is awesome. But this is Jesus' Christmas gift wish list. So now that we've talked about that, let's go back to the wisdom of the wise men. They gave Jesus the very best gifts. So what would it look like for us to give Jesus our very best? Because we can give him gifts we could re-gift things we don't want. We could look at the discount rack and say, Jesus, this is my gift to you. It's the discount items. But that's not the very best. So what does it mean to give him our very best? Well, it starts with giving him our total being, all of who we are. Matthew 22, verses 36 and 37. Teacher, which, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. All of your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's your entirety. And we are not to look at this separately. We don't look at just giving God the heart aspect of us or the soul aspect of us or the mind, the way we think. We have to give that all to God. That's how we give him our best. That's the first starting point. So your emotions and feelings, that's your heart. Do you give those things to God? All of your soul, that inner will, your self-will, do you give that to God as well? And then all of your mind, this is your decision-making processes. The way you live your life, is it all about God or is it about other things? And again, we can't take these things separately. We have to Look at it as a whole, that God wants all of who we are. The way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we're motivated to do things, that's what God wants, our entire being. Second, giving God our best. It means giving Him the very first and the very best of everything that we have. Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. In the Old Testament, we see all over the place that people gave God their very best. They gave him a tenth. They gave him the tithe, the first fruits. We hear that, that term used all the time. That's the very, like, the very best, the first harvest that was given. That's what we were to give. People were to give to God because it was the very best. Now, we're not farmers. There might be some farmers here, but most of us are not farmers. So 
How do we give him the first and the best? Well, we do that with giving him the first and the best of our time. You know, how much time do you invest in God? How much time do you give him worshiping him, learning about him, and serving him? So we've got to give him the first and the best of our time. Second, our tithe, our resources, our finances. Do you give a tithe? Do you give an offering? Like, what's the first thing you think about? Is it giving to God or is it giving to yourself or giving to something else? That's what it means to give your very best, your best and your first. And then the final one is talent. So three T's, your time, your tithe, and your talents. The way God has gifted you through the Holy Spirit, the way you just naturally have an inclination of certain things, the, the abilities that you have to do things, do you give the first of those abilities? Do you give the best of those abilities to God? Because that's what it means to give Him the best. You're not giving Him the second best. You're not giving Him the leftovers. You're giving Him the first. And giving God our best, it also means giving Him your best work. And this ties in to giving Him your first. But the thing is, is that, you know, Emily and I were talking about this the other day. This isn't about time. I think it's really easy for people to think, if I'm giving God my best, it means I'm giving Him 10 or 15 hours a week serving at the church. That's not what it means, because you can give 100 hours a week to the church and be very disgruntled, and God don't want that. He wants the very best. What this means is about your effort. It's about your attention and your focus. Are you doing this for God, or are you doing it for something else? It's about your heart condition. Again, God doesn't want people to serve. Jesus doesn't want them to serve begrudgingly. You know, what's the point of serving if you're just complaining, saying, I don't really want to be here, I don't really want to do that? That's not really serving at all because your heart condition is not right. And then it's also about your mindset. Are you doing this for God? Or again, are you doing this for your own purposes, your own reasons? To give God your very best means... Again, giving him your best work. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your everything. And it's how you live your life. It's how you serve him. It's how you serve others. That's what God cares about. Now, the final thing I want to talk about to kind of wrap all this up is why should we give him our very best? We know the reasons why the wise men gave Jesus the very best because they knew he was the Messiah. He did, they didn't fully understand what that meant. But they also know he was born to be king of the Jews. That's why they gave him the very best. So I have three reasons here that we should be motivated to give our best to Jesus. The first one is simply because of who he is. Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. And we've talked about that in the Trinity. And we'll talk about that again just so people really understand that. Jesus is God. He is the king of kings. There is no king higher, stronger, better, smarter, anything than Jesus. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. So we want to give our best to Jesus simply because of who he is. The second reason is as an act of love. If we truly love Jesus, if we truly love him, we should want to give him the very best gifts. So it's an act of our love towards him, how much we appreciate him. And then the final reason 
is that it's kind of an ironic thing that even though this is Jesus' birthday, that we're celebrating his birth, he gave us the greatest gift of all. That he forgave our sins and that we have eternal life, that we have salvation because of him. He gave us the greatest gift of all. And he didn't worry about the cost. Because what did it cost him? costed him his life. He gave absolutely everything for us. And that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus' birth and all the incredible things that he has done for us out of love. And so really, when you think about it, it shouldn't be hard for us to be focused on him. But in our Bible study, for the last three weeks in our sermon series, We've been talking about getting our minds right to be preparing for Christmas. And I think it's pretty cool that we actually have six days that we get to do that. We get a really shift into high gear with how do we focus on this being Jesus' birthday. As I mentioned over the last week, we talked about the uh, the wisdom of the wise men and how they prepared for Jesus. We learned that we need to seek Jesus through learning about him, through talking to others about him. And we have so many opportunities to do that. You're going to be with family here in a few days. And hopefully every member of your family is saved. But I know that's probably not the truth. That's probably not the situation. But I hope it is. But you have the opportunity to share with people that love you and hopefully a really safe environment about Jesus. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. Talk about Jesus. Talk about what Christmas means to you. And we also learned that doing that takes effort, though. It's not easy. Because sometimes you don't want to offend a brother or a sister, a literal brother or sister, or maybe your parent, you don't want to offend them, so you're really careful, you walk on eggshells. But be bold. Let people know why Christmas is so special to you. We also learned last week that we should have a desire to worship Jesus. And that when we have the opportunity to do that, we should be overjoyed. And I pray that you have some incredible moments of worship, whether it's, again, it's in the morning when you're taking a shower, you're singing a worship song, you're falling to your knees, whatever it is, there's got to be opportunities to do that. As we learned last week, we don't have to be in church to worship Jesus. We don't have to be at the temple in Jerusalem. We can be in our houses, we can be in our cars, and we can worship Jesus. We should be grateful and overjoyed at the opportunity that we have. And then today we talked about giving the best gifts possible. And so you guys have six days. I want to encourage you to pray, to get your minds focused on what Christmas is about. Because probably more than any other week of December, This week's going to be crazy with a lot of things pulling on you. Whether it's traveling plans, it's what are we going to cook for dinner, who's coming over, what's the invite list, oh, did we get this present order? I mean, I'm doing it myself, so believe me, I am telling on myself here too. So I have to regroup and I have to say, what is this holiday really about? Am I going to be sure, you know, that after meals are made, after gifts are are opened or bought or whatever, that I'm going to take time to honor God by sharing with others what he means to me. That am I going to give Jesus the very big best gifts 
you know, that I can, that I'm going to give him some time. And I'm going to go out and share the gospel, hopefully so it impacts some people. Am I going to do that? And I want to encourage you guys to ask yourselves that in the next six days. I've asked Matt, so after we do, we're going to transition to some announcements. And I've asked Matt to play a song to really kind of wrap us in that kind of, just that, that Christmas spirit of Jesus. So let me pray, and then let me transition to our announcements. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the greatest gift of all. Lord Jesus, thank you that despite it being the celebration of your birth, you gave us a gift, the gift of salvation, Lord. And I pray that we never forget that. I pray, Lord, that the significance of that um, does never, never diminishes in our hearts and our minds, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this week and the next six days, we would take the time to reflect on what we're going to give you. I pray, Lord, that we have, I pray, Lord, that we have been motivated to give you the very best gifts, Lord, but, Lord, we are not perfect. And Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would convict us and challenge us, Lord, to, to want to give you our very best, to honor you and to love you by giving you the greatest gifts we possibly can, which is all of us, our hearts and our minds and our souls. Lord Jesus, I pray for safety for those that are traveling, Lord Jesus, and I pray, Lord, that you would give us those um, incredible moments with family and friends, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have incredible times with you, because as your word says, that as we draw nearer to you, that you draw nearer to us. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, happy birthday. Um, you are the greatest gift, and we thank you, and we pray this all in your name. Amen.